Welcome back to Ideas Digest, the podcast where we humanize controversial ideas by learning about the person who has the idea and the context in which the idea and the person exist. This episode is all about how context matters. First up, you might be noticing my audio quality has dipped. Very sorry about that. Brooke and I are overseas for the next five or so months, so I've had to go with a more portable audio setup. But hey, like university, P's get degrees, passable audio gets the listens. Fingers crossed. Hope that's true. Don't know about that. But speaking of Brooke, she is not with me this episode because I've stepped back into the political arena. And when I step into the political arena, Brooke steps out. I'm leaving Australian politics behind, though. going to have a break from that. I think we all need a break from that. Three weeks is a long campaign, isn't it? And, and I'm sure we're all very exhausted. So I'm moving into some international politics. I was recently in Nepal and met a very educated gentleman. We got talking over dinner, and I found his political views both interesting and challenging. And I said, that sounds like a great podcast episode. And so I interviewed him. We start the conversation on the topic of communism. Of course, you know that because you clicked the clickbait title. Well done. So communism, a style of governance that we have come to fear in the West. We associate it with Maoist China, Stalinist Russia, really uh, hectic, damaging regimes that didn't have strong individual human rights. Uh, Or if you're an American, you might associate communism with Bernie Sanders' plan to give all Americans free health care like we have here in Australia. So maybe some Americans look at Australians and say bloody communists. Uh, But I think they're confusing us for convicts. But hey. So before we begin, I I want you to ask yourself, what is your definition of communism? Because depending on your own personal background and context, your definition might be very different or slightly different to someone else's. And That's what this whole conversation is about. It's about context. Context matters. Words and definitions develop within a context. And if we don't understand the context that these words exist within, then we don't understand the intended meaning of the word when someone who is outside of our personal context uses it. And if that sounds a bit complicated, the classic example is when an Aussie visiting in America goes outside, finds one piece of footwear, but for some reason can't find the other. So he leans around the corner and says, hey, mate, did you see my thong? The context of American culture changes the meaning of the word from the Australian culture and context, and therefore the meaning of the entire question. So... You might see this clickbait title, I'm a communist, and you'll apply your Western context and upbringing to define that word. You know that word means something within your context. You might assume that the guest I'm speaking to hates individual freedoms, wants government censorship, wants the government to control the means of production, get rid of private companies altogether in the free market, get rid of it. And if you were to draw those conclusions about my next guest, you would be way, way off the mark on every single one of your assumptions. But that's okay, because this is where the conversation begins and not ends. But as much as I do trust, believe me, I do trust in you, my faithful listeners, to listen and understand someone's perspective and context before you judge them and cast them into a category of other or enemy. Actually, you guys probably don't even do that. How enlightened you all must be. 
which of course you are because you're listening to this podcast. Ah, yeah. ah did you see what I did there? I complimented both of us. Did I compliment you just to compliment myself? We will never know. But because of my guest's line of work and the tendency for, you know, don't want to generalize, but I would say most people, the tendency of most people to judge and categorize without bothering to understand the topic or the person on a deeper level, I have censored his identity and been vague with his line of work. Sometimes the internet isn't a platform that encourages thoughtful dialogue. I know, it might shock you. I'm shocked myself. So when you hear a bleep, I'm not dropping a mad F-bomb, despite being Australian. I have just censored his name. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people. Categorizing of humans and ideas. You have desensitized yourself to the humanity that other human being to who they really are and in the marketplace of ideas these things are complicated man we all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints a genuine multicultural connection with another i mean sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree you just need to sit with it and digest welcome everybody to another episode of ideas digest with me conrad i am coming to you from the land of nepal in Kathmandu. I've been here a couple of weeks. I've met some really interesting, amazing people. And one of those people is named... We were out to dinner last night and we started to have a really good conversation. We're going to start with the clickbait title that's going to get everybody up in arms straight away. Because we're going to talk about something that the West has a strong aversion to. So... If you were to define your political leanings, mm-hmm. you would say you are a what? I would say uh, I would support communists in Nepal. You'd say you're a communist? Yes. Shock! <gasps> everybody in America who's listening, everybody in Australia is like, <gasps> this guy is a communist. Now, the reason why I <laughs> wanted to talk is because, as we were talking last night, because Nepal has a communist party, and I was learning so much about that, and the thing that struck me most was that context matters because we always drop the word communist and in different societies in different places the word means something sometimes something similar but it's always looks very different and that's what I was learning last night so before we get into unpacking what type of communist would be we're going to learn a little bit about Mm -hmm. what is your current occupation and I fight human trafficking at all levels where did you grow up and tell us a little bit about your upbringing? I was often at the early age of eight. Mm. And since then, I was taken to India in an orphanage. And that's where I grew up and had my education um, in India. And that was that a pretty tough upbringing? That was. That was not easy to be alone and to be without any parents mm. and uh, without any relatives and um, without knowing uh, where to go when school had uh, vacation, summer mm. vacation, winter vacation. We had to stay back at the school and uh, do a hard work, uh, a six to eight hours of work every day mm. during the vacation. Um, that was hard at the age eight, nine, you know, to do mm. uh, that work and not knowing where to go. So mm. always felt my future is completely dark, kind of a hopeless situation. So it was really tough. Mm. What age did you return back to Nepal? I lived in India until I was uh, 18. 
so about 10, 11 years of stay in India. And your your ticket out of India was through education. Exactly. And you did you finished your schooling and then you went to university, did you? Yes, yes. And I continued my university also in India um, because that's where uh-huh. I got the opportunity. I was awarded as uh, the best student uh, in my um, year 12. Mm. So that gave me uh, an opportunity for my uh, university studies. Uh, when I came to uh, Pokhara, the western part of Nepal, and that's when the Maoist operation in Nepal was on the peak, and I was targeted as propagating Christianity. Okay, and, so. And had to flee into India several times oh. because Maoists back then were not supportive of Christianity. Okay, so now we're going into the political history. When you came back to Nepal, you were a Christian. Yes. Nepal recently has had a king. Mm-hmm. T- talk to me about Un- that. Until 2006, Nepal Whoa. was always under a regime of monarchy. So you had a king up until 2006. And six, exactly. Wow. I mean, we Australia still has a queen, but it's a it's a, a it's different a, different it's a, type. It's a fake queen. <laughs> she doesn't do anything. Different type. But, but this this king. <laughs> What did he control? Or yeah, uh, there's a difference between your queen and our king. Yeah. Our king is used to be an executive state head. Executive state head. State head, and who had control over everything to so, to the extent people cannot even discuss about politics. Could not even. So you couldn't talk openly about politics. No, 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 no. Couldn't uh, move in a group. Uh, couldn't after, gather in a group more than more than two to three. Uh, in the night. Uh, so there were so many um, setbacks set by the king. And was that to stop a populist uprising? Was that to kind of squash anyone who wanted to critique? Our monarchy system was not only just to control people, but also to the extent, you know, it's very difficult for for the Westerners to uh, to rightly understand. And I'm not sure whether I'll be able to fully uh, explain monarchy would even control who would study who would get the opportunity to be admitted in the school and who would not be how would so they decide can, that the monarchy will select a class okay. uh, like the ranas can only be admitted in the school so, so we had no schools in india uh, in nepal except one or two that's where the king will decide who will go to that school to be educated. And it's based on in how you were born. It's based on how we were born. And that's like the, the Brahmins, some of selected Brahmins will be given opportunity. Selected uh-huh. caste would be given opportunity. <clears throat> so the caste system up until very recently has been very strong in Nepal. So if you're born into a lower class caste, you don't get Then educated. you are deprived of basically everything. To the point where if you're part of a so-called upper caste, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't associate or touch or... To the extent of even the shadow of the low caste falls upon me as the high caste, I would be considered already untouchable and then I had to undergo uh, religious rituals to clean myself. So they (laughs) they incentivize the, the higher caste people to stay very clear of the lower class yes, people. Yes, yes. 
there used to be a very very clear distinct line what uh, the low caste people cannot afford to do if they did it is punishable crime they go to jail or something they would definitely go to jail which is not now yeah. uh, after the republic state but that's only but 2006 that's, what, that's only 2006 <laughs> and since then uh, things are gradually changing it'll it'll obviously take uh, quite a bit of time because this had been the mindset of the population for past many centuries. And what so-called caste were you born into? Fortunately, uh, I was born in a Brahmin priesthood caste. And that's considered? The topmost. The topmost. Mm -hmm. Wow. And yet, to become Christian of that topmost class, which I am now a Christian, used to be, would be punishable if it was in, during monarchy time. But even in monarchy time, I was converted Christian. So you came back here in monarchy time. Yes. And you had to run away. Yes, that was the target that I was, they thought I was propagating Christianity, which I was not actually propagating Christianity. You just... My duty, I feel, is to share the love of God to as many people I want, uh, I see, I mingle with, I talk to. That's what uh, I continue to do even today. And what were they gonna? Were they gonna arrest you? Oh, they would be. They would arrest me and then put me in jail. And so, you, when things got a bit serious and you thought you then might I had get to, arrested, I had to. I had to. Um, you, uh, you know, flee into India, India several times. Ultimately, you came back. The political thing started to take its change, so uh, it becomes a bit better and better. And I have a a, a very interesting and funny incident happen in two thousand. 12, the Maoists had peace agreement with the state. So the Maoist China mm -hmm. is that had a peace agreement with Chinese Mao Zedong's philosophy, political ideology, mm -hmm. influenced a section of people, political party in Nepal, which were called Maoist. Maoist. They all joined together and became a Maoist, uh, one Maoist party. Okay, so you've got a king. And then mm -hmm. Nepal has the Maoist party underneath the king. Now, when the strong monarchy fell somewhere in early 2000 or late 90s, we had the massacre happen in Nepal. Since then, then the Congress was influenced by India and they were also operating in Nepal. So we have Congress, we have the monarchy, strong monarchy, mm -hmm. and then... Maoist emerging, influenced by the Chinese communism. Mm -hmm. So there were three political powers just rising up and then had a big tussle. That's when Maoist came into uh, the main picture of revolting against the king and also against the Congress, Congress party. Okay. Before this, you've got a king. You've got one political party yes. that when you went to vote... Um, before this, when there was yeah, a king, yeah. you'd go and vote for different people that all belong to the same party. To the same party. That's the monarchy system. Okay. And then uh, this massacre happened. Who, yes. who was massacred? Late King Birendra, his wife, his two princes, uh, prince, and then princes. So the, the Maoists... Whole, basically the whole family of the king were all killed. The Maoist political group, organization... Mm -hmm revolted and killed no 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 it wasn't maoist 
It wasn't it's, it's unknown at the oh. uh, still unknown who killed it. Okay. But it's very clear it was not any of the political parties in Nepal who killed uh, okay. the king. So it was an unknown political. It's a, an unknown power, but we uh, very clearly know that it wasn't any political parties no organization okay but that wasn't the whole royal family was it there was still yeah the the next brother uh one brother survived and his family survived clean Uh uh-huh out of the three brothers the first brother was king and then the second one and then the third one so the second one and his family clean neatly survived and both the other brothers, King, and the youngest brother's family were all killed. Mm, very suspect. Yes. <laughs> so One guy survives and the whole royal family Including dies. his whole family very neatly, cleanly survived. And he's like, oh, I'm the king now, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And then the next okay. day, he becomes the king. Okay. And during his rule, mm-hmm. which did not last long, uh, people suspected and then they did not want... Uh, monarchy system in Nepal prevailing any longer. Okay. That is when the Maoist party, which was one of the biggest power that was emerging under the influence of Chinese communism, yep. and then Congress under the influence of Indian political system, they were emerging and then they both got aligned together to overthrow this king. And that was in 2006. That, that was in 2006 with all people and these two getting together overthrew the king. And so and only since 2006 has Nepal been a democracy. Yes. So basically so young. yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. Now we are totally a republic state. We have a president and you have a prime minister. Right. And the president is the figurehead? Yes. And the prime like minister your queen, like yeah, like our like queen. Like your queen is our president mm-hmm. and prime minister is the executive state head. Okay, I think I've got it. So communism. Mm-hmm. You have two main political parties right now. Right. And one of them is the Communist Party mm-hmm. and the other one is the... Congress. Congress Party. Which is, which is like the Democratic Party. Like a Democratic Party. Yep. Okay. And you say you support the Communist Party yes. here in Nepal. Yes. You're familiar with communism as it presents in China. Yes. And maybe... Well, I don't know if Russia's communist anymore. It's more like a crony capitalist, or I'm not even sure what Russia is now. Oh, uh, Russia, Cuba, yep. um, some of those, some of the uh, European countries, yep. who, who uh, and then some of the Muslim countries who have experienced communism. I know they hate communism. Yeah, that was once upon a time communist basically ruled the whole world yeah and they did not rule with kindness and love they ruled to to get to the power they would do anything and not very different to chinese communism who also started with a big massacre to get to the power and then so there is obviously a hatred of the historical communists yes but today's communists in nepal uh, nepal communism is more or less influenced by the chinese communism and indian communism Mm -hmm. so a kind of asian communism which is a mixture of it's a soft liner communism and it is for it's more of a progressive development oriented communism so you still have the free market Yes, and the, yeah. it's a progressive form of communism who is focused on bringing equality 
economically and socially. Okay, so talk to me about what it meant, because the, the Communist Party only recently got into power last year yes. in Nepal. What does the Communist Party represent for you in Nepal when you're talking about, you mentioned equality? Give me some examples of how the Communist Party is moving towards that. Long history of Nepal, you know, for centuries after century, the monarchy structured Nepali society into caste division. Mm -hmm. And that simply created a lots of discrimination and which had been the barrier of any development mm -hmm. that could take place in Nepal. Like you said, you couldn't uh, interact with uh, low, lower caste people and you couldn't be any other religion. Yes. There were lots of opportunities given to the higher caste. Yeah. Like the job opportunity to become civil servant, to get into businesses, to go to school, to, you know, be educated, whatever. But then all the other low caste were deprived of all these. If, for example, you were considered to be untouchable, mm -hmm. bang, you cannot have or do any job because you, you, it, yeah. you got to touch. Yeah, yeah. And if your even your shadow falls upon someone who is a high caste, yeah. you you would be chased, excommunicated. So there is absolutely no reach, you know, opportunity yeah. for the low caste. So this was created by the caste system. Yeah. Which is very much supported by the Democratic Party, which is called Congress. So the Congress Party is more conservative. So, yes. And conservative conservative in its definition of being preferring the way things used to be. And so your Congress Party is okay with a caste system. It's okay with limiting different religions. Yes. And only <laughs> recently, the Communist Party, as it seems to present in Nepal, believes in what? The Communist Party of Nepal believes in equality. Mm -hmm. There is one human being, so only male and female Division. Different. Other than that, everyone is equal. Everyone has the right to speak, right to religion, right to, you know, express their views. And all this is new. And all this became very new to Nepal. So even, so, la even since last year? 2006, yep. this was a major advocacy lobbying mm -hmm. by the Communist Party, yep. which actually gained the favor of around 80% of the whole Nepali population mm. to support. Because most of them would not be Brahmin. Would not be Brahmin. <laughs> so it's not, if you're... If you're it's a, not surprising. Yeah. So when 80% of the population supports communism in the context of Nepal, because they were deprived from all the opportunities, mm. and now they see the future, their future, which will be established by the Communist Party. So they shunned the Congress who call themselves to be so-called democratic, mm -hmm. which is actually a, a softer version of the monarchy. Right. If they, they cannot have king, yeah. um, but they function as the, any other political parties, but their everything, the philosophy, their ideology, their po political ideologies... Yeah are all similar to monarchy all, system. All essentially conservative. And it's interesting, yes. like I said, context matters. If you go to Australia and say conservative, that means a completely set of different things. You come here and say conservative. Conservative is 
is a is a word that references what went before it and if mm-hmm. what went before it is different then the word conservative means something different so here in this instance conservative means closer to the old monarchy times yes yeah. yes the legacy of monarchy is carried by the democratic mm-hmm. or the congress party this is even interesting for australian standards talk to me about uh, the political parties and what they're doing with women in leadership uh, since the communist party came into power and started ruling earlier women in nepal had almost no reach to politics they were deprived from any opportunities but now 33% is the constitutional provision made for women to be in all places so in the constitution so, you have an amendment that says 33% women must be must be in all, all areas in all areas so teaching everything politics teaching civil servant government job banking building like construction uh no anything you want to organize like an organization for ex- for example oh, okay. even in the case of forming ngo okay forming an ngo you got to have 33% of women being present at the board on the board, board members must be must 33%. be 33% of women what percentage of women are part of the communist party now 42% 42% in an average they are present all over nepal in major political positions that's a very quick very very big implementation i mean very big jump in australia we've got i think one of our political parties is near on 50 i think they're 46% mm-hmm. and our other ones down at like 20% or something and this that i don't think they're getting there anytime soon so that's a quick yeah. that's a big jump that's a big and jump. we have our uh, president as woman and she has got this second tenure your president is a woman she's a woman wow and second term wow so got reelected yes so are the nepali people they sound very progressive very progressive and we are also very sensitive to the need of women's growth and development mm-hmm. because you cannot uh, the society cannot grow and develop without the presence of women otherwise our society will be just like how it used to be in the time of monarchy so and women were very in the time of monarchy i'm presuming very just pushed down they were meant for serving man yep. that's all yeah the definition it's very clear women are made made to serve men. the men yeah wow that's why we have so many social issues that we are currently fighting today is because of the uh, disrespect given to women which led to social disbalances mm-hmm. we are now fighting to create balance in the society and we know that can only happen by respecting the women in in different roles and responsibilities because you were, you were talking to me before about <coughs> when your your work you were talking to me about how it's important for you to empower women with education with jobs all of those things mm-hmm. and how important do you think it is then for a political party to empower women as well yes it's it's very simple i will only uh, pick one example if my wife is not educated mm mm-hmm. I will be busy with my work 
Yeah. And then because my I don't regard my wife to be capable of doing any job because she's not educated, she's not capable of, capable of doing any job. So when I have my children, wife or mothers are more responsible in rearing the children. So because she is not educated, she is not doing any work because she is meant to serve me. The whole generation, the children will not get education. Children will not think bigger mm-hmm. and then the whole generation is behind that is where we are now hitting we must empower mothers women mm-hmm. if we want to ensure child right if we want to ensure human trafficking uh, is is existing no more in the country mm-hmm. if we want to ensure better future with education with development uh, happening in nepal is by empowering women and giving them opportunities that will then transfer automatically to their children and then on and then on so future i see a better future of nepal with having children being educated and mm. then they taking a lead of the country but at the moment because we had long history of having women pushed down mm-hmm. we don't quite see uh enough of empowerment given to the women and the communist party understands that exactly and that is why i like communism yes. in nepal i know the history of communism had it been good all over the world yeah but in the present context in nepal it is the communist party who can only bring change we have seen and that's why we uh, support communist party well said Well said. That that example you gave about women I've I've seen and heard those statistics of saying the education level of the mother is a in in direct correlation with the education level of the children. Of the children. And so if the if the mother holds a bachelor degree, the child is x times more likely yes to also hold a bachelor or higher. Or, or higher. Yeah. Mm. How is it different to the communism we see in China? Chinese communism has also dramatically changed in this uh, present context. Chinese have also learned from Nepali Communist Party and have now become more of a democratic communist party. They are more liberal, they are more softliner now, which is also been adopted by the Russian Communist Party in the present context. When you say they've become softer, do you do you mean they've become softer in allowing more free market to determine the allocation of resources uh, or softer in the in the sense of you know the economic growth like the social socialist socialism. Yeah. Instead of going to one direction which used to be the historical communism, now they are taking free market, mixed economic mixed system economy, yeah. and then allowing people to to be involved yeah not dictating by one person but having more voices come in nepali communist party has a very unique features they can educate the other countries which is we have a composition of all caste representative in the political party of the communist party mm-hmm. so in the political equal system equal representation we also have that provision made in the constitution that in all election we will directly elect so many candidates yeah. and then 40% of the remaining will be by nomination from different caste who are like the minor uh. groups and setback groups and from the religious groups and so that comprises the whole and then to ensure the representation of everyone in the political the communist party makes sure that when it when it builds its 
platform of representatives, it's trying to represent everybody. Everybody. It's trying to accurately reflect the community. And that's a high priority. What do you think, looking at China, what do you think the dangers of certain types of communism is? China has single party communist system. So a bit like under the king. Somewhat similar. Yeah, they've got one party, you can't vote for another party. And then they vote the members, uh, that's the Chinese communism. The people will vote these uh, so many members, let's say 500 members, and then these 500 members will elect the president who is by default the president of the country. So people will bring, by election, bring certain number of people Mm -hmm. and their chairperson is by default the president of the country so it's just like monarchy you have different people as an option but then they're all the same but they're just the same in one system because when we look at the chinese form of communism when i lived in china i felt you know personal like in australia a policeman will give you a ticket if you're riding a bicycle without a helmet he'll say hey Mm. put on a helmet give you a ticket and we're very lots of policing but in china i was riding a scooter up on the footpath no helmet going fast police don't care yeah but if i was to critique xi jinping Mm -hmm. and say oh i don't think he's doing a good job Mm Then you get a ticket. Then I would get in big trouble. <laughs> Same like in India in our monarchy time. And and Nepal isn't like that. Uh, now? Now. Now, no, it's not like that. Because you can like you can talk oh, openly. Uh, yeah. I, I would not be allowed to talk this political matters with you if I was in uh, monarchy, time. monarchy time. But now I can go out in the street all by myself, have a mic in my hand <laughs> and can as loud as I want. I can talk about anything I want. So you've got free speech under the Communist Party? Yes. There you go. And that's why you're a communist. That's why I'm a communist. Thank you. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Ideas Digest. Hopefully that conversation has brought to mind some new ideas and some new questions that I would love to hear. So if you have any questions or thoughts or ideas or feedback, send them through to ideasdigest at gmail.com or... A direct message on Instagram will do just fine. At Ideas Digest is where you'll find us there. You can stay up to date with the episodes coming out. Call out the topics I explore come from you, the people. So when you come across strongly opinionated Facebook post or blog post, there's lots of bloggers out there with, you know, small audiences, big audience with strong opinions. When I see that, I get very excited because I go, this person wants to share their idea and I would love to be the one they share it with. The more challenging and opinionated, the better. If you come across anything like that, send it through and I'll try and make contact with that person and have a conversation. The direction of the podcast will be determined by you, the people, the ground level of ideas. Remember, share this podcast with anybody who'll listen, rate and review it on iTunes, and until next time, I'll see you later.